Did you ever want to toss one back with Kerouac? Get a little smashed with our Dinesh. Start to read with Daniel Steele. Slosh some gin with Anna Eastman. It's time to get lit-faced while you are day drinking with authors. Hey, everybody. It's Thursday night, so you know what that means. A drink and a book. A book and a drink. It's my favorite. <laughs> um, tonight's book is what you never knew, Jessica Hamilton. She's a debut author, which like a debut author is always really exciting, but de debut in times of COVID, there's like a real special uh, heaven and hell to it all. <laughs> so I can't wait to talk to Jessica about that. Um, we're also, our drinks are Manhattans, which happen to be my favorite drink, but um, I found out some interesting information about Manhattans. So let's, we'll talk about that too in a second. Uh, but first I'm going to read the back cover copy because my mom always likes that. Uh, so again, what you never knew. Idyllic Avril Island, owned by the Bennett family, where their 100-year-old cottage sat nestled in acres of forest. 40-year-old June Bennett believed that the island had been sold after the summer of her father's disappearance when she was only 12 years old. It's months after the shocking death of her older sister, May, in a fatal car accident that June finds out that the cottage was never sold. Avril Island is still owned by the Bennett family, and now it's hers. Still reeling from the grief of losing her sister, June travels back to Avril Island in search of answers. As she digs, she learns that the townspeople believe her father murdered someone before taking off. And that's when she begins to notice strange things happening on the island. Missing family possessions, showing up in her bed, doors open when she had locked them closed. It takes June no time at all to realize that her childhood summers at Avril Island were not at all what they had seemed to be. Sorry, so let's bring Jessica in here. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Um, so we're drinking Manhattans, your choice. Yes. I do appreciate a Manhattan. Yes. You know that, did you know that there are cocktails named for every borough in New York City? No, I didn't. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to try them all then. Well, some of them sound kind of gross. So, <laughs> but one of them, if you like a Manhattan, so um, the the recipe you'd given me for the your Manhattan, I got around, and so there's something for the Bronx, which is gin, dry vermouth, sweet vermouth, and fresh orange juice. Oh. The Staten Island, which is apparently supposed to be tongue in cheek reference to that it's an island, is half coconut rum, half pineapple juice. Oh, that's good. <laughs> That's good. Uh, the Queen's cocktail, the Queen's, uh, is basically the Bronx cocktail that uses pineapple juice instead of orange juice. Huh. But the Brooklyn uh -huh. is equal parts rye whiskey and Italian sweet vermouth with splashes of maraschino liqueur and something called Amer Pecan. Or oh. you can use bitters. That's a serious drink. It is. Yeah. I feel like a tour of New York yeah. <laughs> is required. <laughs> I agree. I really, really agree. That, that sounds ideal. So uh, thanks again for joining us. This is your debut, your first book. So can you tell us a little bit about how long you've been working on it or uh, how it came to be? Well, I mean, how long I've been working on becoming a debut author or this? All of it. Particular? Okay. Okay. So, yeah. 
it's been a long time. Uh, I the first manuscript that I submitted for you know trying trying to get a, a publisher with an agent was back in two thousand and seventeen. I think it was the, my first one. Yeah, and it was a YA. And it didn't get picked up. And I had a different literary agent. Uh, Carolyn Ford is my literary agent now. And uh, and so after the YA didn't get picked up, I thought I'd try a different genre. And I, I wrote a thriller novel. Um, and I thought that Carolyn was maybe a more suited agent to to that genre. And and um, so I we amicably, my other agent and I amicably parted ways. And, oh, that's always uh, hard. Yeah, no, he, he and he was wonderful and he was a great mentor and he, he worked with me tirelessly for years and it just didn't work out. But um, he wasn't as in love with the thriller that I'd written. So um, I I looked into agents and I, I actually found Carolyn in the acknowledgments of a Rosnay novel, uh, Little Secrets. And is it Little Secret? Little, our, little Se- our Little Secret, I think it is. Anyway, I found her in the acknowledgments. I found that uh, the acknowledgement to her uh, as, as Roz, Roz's agent. And uh, I went online, I researched her, and I thought, yeah, that's who I want. And um, I queried her, and it worked out. And so that was my first thriller that I, that I tried my hand at. And it didn't get picked up. And so I wrote another one, which is what you never knew. And fortunately, that did get picked up. So it was it was a long road of of trying yeah. and persevering, definitely. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I'm really fascinated that I've been fascinated with it over the course of this um, interview series is what was the what was the germ of the idea for this book? Because there is a lot going on. There could be a, the, the germ of this book could be a lot of different things. And then how did that change over the course of editing? Like, was it, was it, um, you wanted to tell a point of view, have a point of view of a, of someone who had died, like a ghost or a, a girl returning to her family cottage to realize that not all was what it seemed. What was the idea? Yeah, it's, uh, there were a few parts to it, actually. The first was I, I was driving along the highway and I saw some birds in a field flying above a farmer's field and I looked over and I got quite taken with the birds and then I put my attention back to the road and thought, you know, you should really pay attention because you're driving. And then I, I imagined getting in an accident and I, and I thought to myself, oh, my sister, I, I'm very close with my older sister. And I thought, oh, she would be so mad at me. And and then I just imagined that being a sister's last thought. Uh, oh, my sister's going to be so mad at me. You know, because you have that closeness. Uh, some some sisters have that closeness. And um, I would be really mad at my sister if she were driving carelessly and got killed in a car accident. I would be so mad at her. So anyway, that kind of started this idea of the sisters and of one dying right at the beginning of the novel and thinking that, and then uh, some secrets unfolding and family things that only come out because uh, the youngest sister is the last surviving member. And uh, I did have an idea that I wanted it set in a cottage type setting, but I wasn't quite sure why. And then uh, we, I actually had a family cottage in Muskoka that a lot of that the, the novel is loosely based on the cottage well the cottage itself it's very specifically based on but um anyway uh, the kitchen the kitchen's the same (laughs) the records are the same yeah yeah. like there's the the details of the building are are pretty much the same and the feeling and whatnot but my cottage wasn't on an island um but uh at the time when I was just sort of 
thinking about this novel and just plotting it out loosely, uh, we found out that we would be losing our family cottage uh, due to the fact that I actually, we were, I was becoming estranged from my mother. And so she decided to sell the cottage without us having any say in it or, um, or the ability to even buy it ourselves. And, and so it was, you know, we lost it. My sister and I spent every summer there growing up and well into adulthood with our own kids. So it was a really difficult loss for us. No kidding. You know, coupled with the painful fact that, you know, we were becoming estranged from, from my mother and, um, and that didn't really seem fixable at the time. So, uh, I decided to write all of the details of my cottage into this novel so that I kind of created a time capsule of it and I wouldn't forget the visceral parts of it. And I just, I found it so therapeutic to, you know, when I was feeling really low, I would just, I would go and I would get lost in this novel. I'd get lost in being in, you know, the cottage setting. And um, yeah, that, so it just all came together at the same time that, yeah. You know, it's funny, the, um, the book uh, is a very slow unraveling of this of this mystery and and a, and a series of betrayals that sort of uh, you know create this situation. But and it's interesting that you you were writing it from kind of a place of grief because it's actually a really thoughtful and and at times very sad exploration of grief. And she and she is um, so the the mother's name is April. The sister who died is May. And our main character is June. And she's actually grieving quite a bit, not just her sister dying, but, you know, the the childhood that she thought she had at this cottage. And it felt a little bit like as you were slowly revealing things about her a little bit, she was grieving who she might have been, like who she who she could have been. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. That's very true. I, I, I do feel like she was just riddled with grief for so many reasons, her own mistakes she'd made in, in life and uh, how, how she'd gotten to this point and, and, um, and then her sister and finding certain things out about her family and, and realizing her childhood wasn't what she thought it was. And yeah, so there, there are a lot, there's a lot of loss. And I, yeah. guess, I, I guess I did uh, channel that in, in there. I mean, of course, very different situations and, you know, it's not right. a story, but, um, yeah, I was going through a very hard time. So mm-hmm, that, that helped the writing. Um, one of the things, like when, so the, 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 the book opens, uh, May is finding out that their mother had lied to them. She gets news that this cottage hasn't been sold and she is, she's freaking out right? There's, she is freaking out. There's something that no one can know about what happened on this cottage, in this cottage. And she tears up the, the deed or the will, whatever. She tears this thing up, throws it away and then gets in this car accident. And then she's a ghost. And I was like, oh man, careful. <laughs> You're gonna get... So was it fun writing the ghost? Cause you do sort of address like, how does she kind of fade in and fade out and how does she move and what is she doing there and what you know like was that part tricky did you find yourself like down rabbit holes of like Ebenezer Scrooging (laughs) (laughs) at times yeah no it was it was a lot of fun um but it was there were some some tricky parts to navigate you know because um I didn't want to I didn't want it to be to step on any religious toes so to speak I didn't want it to be you know, one idea of, of, of how people die in terms of religion or spirituality. I, I wanted to keep it a little bit 
um, vague and uh, you could sort of put whatever beliefs you had in there. And so it was, it was difficult doing that and, and trying to, to keep it um, in, in such a way that I didn't, I didn't, go too far into explaining, you know, where, where she was when she wasn't, you know, it is like, it's like, it is a trap because you do start to want to answer questions that you fear your reader is going to have, but then you just realize, well, if you just don't give them a chance to really ask the question, then it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like the important thing is when yeah. she's in the room. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how much was this book? Um, was this book, how, like how long did it take you to write it? And then was the editorial process uh, longer, shorter? Did it change dramatically over the course of writing it? Well, I, I started it in, uh, I believe it was January to January, 2019. I wrote about 50 pages of it, but my other thriller novel was still out for submission. It was just about to be, yeah, it was still out for submission. And so I was a bit, I was a little bit focused on that. And so I left, I left it for a bit and then it was May of 2019 when my agent, when Carolyn said, I think we might have to accept that this, this first one isn't, isn't going to get picked up and we might have to let it go. She, you know, she, she had done everything she possibly do. And um, so I said, okay, well, I've started another one. I'm going to just really focus on that. And I made a goal of three pages a day. And so I really, from May until August I wrote at least three pages a day and I got it done by August and I sent her yeah this is a pure COVID book yeah well yeah written and released within COVID well yeah I mean written just before COVID but it was actually so so I sent it to Carolyn in September and she was really busy so it took her a little bit of time and then she came back to me with edits to do uh late October or so and I had to do quite a bit of editing she there I had other ghosts in there and she was like is this a ghost story or like no what other ghosts did you have what an idea I just threw and I really like spirits and ghosts like I you know I find that fun and I'm quite interested and I've had my own experiences so I just try to get them in there as much as I can but she was so right in that it was it was making it more of a ghost story and taking away from the the real parts of it that could be stronger so I, I pared it down and I changed some things and I sent it back to her and she said, yeah, that's great. And then by the time that was done, it was the, it was the week before the entire world was shut down. And she submitted on the, I think on the Tuesday or Wednesday before. Yeah. And I just thought when, you know, I thought, great, that's, that's that then. Um, But you know, and things did slow right down and, and everyone, you know, I, I asked Carolyn, what does this mean? And she said, I don't know. Nobody knows right now. <laughs> this has so never happened. Sit, yeah. So sit tight. So I did. And, um, and then in June we heard back from, uh, from Crooked Lane books that they, that they were interested or May, no, it was May, May 2020. So, um, yeah, it was March to May that I had to wait to find out. And, and, um, Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. One of the other things that I really like about it and, and um, that uh, I guess this is one of those situations I do this in these interviews where I want to say something nice about your book and I want you to make it into a question and answer. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to try to do this. One of the things, and I, and I wonder how it worked because I, I, I love and appreciate how this story came to you because it felt very real and true in the book that it was a book about sisters and it was a book about grief. Um, 
but you also have quite a few twists in this book. Like you have like one big twist and then another big twist and then a little smaller twist. Like, did you, did you, did those come easily to you? Did they come while writing? Was it hard to think of them? Did you, were you, did you feel like you needed to add more or like, how did, how did, how did the twists work in for you? Well, I had one, I had one twist from the very beginning uh, that I knew would come out sort of as the, at the end where the reader's like, Oh, wow. You know, you know, that sort of thing. And then I knew, you know, you, you, in thrillers, certain things happen. People die and they don't know they die or people didn't die and they think they died. And, you know, so there's certain things that you do. And so I just played around with ideas around her parents and, and, um, the people in the town and, and, uh, I, I had an idea, a general idea, but you know, it still happens that you're writing it and then you think, Oh, this yeah, that moment, this, you know, and, yeah. and you throw that in and it's great. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it, it evolves a little bit, but it's also planned. It's, it's a full mixture for me. Definitely. I don't have it plotted to such a degree that I stick to it and that I, I know from the very beginning what's going to happen. But I have it. I always have a general idea of the, the bigger thing. Um, and, but, and even the, what I, what I had planned as being the biggest twist, my editor said, yeah, you got to pare that down. You've got to tame that down a bit. And so, and again, she was absolutely right. And I did, because when I told people my version, they, they go, oh, you know, so. Oh. <laughs> I'm imagining yeah, what yeah. that is. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why you should always listen to other people when they uh, talk to you about your book and give you suggestions. So um, anyway, oh, I've got a hair in my, um, yeah. So I, as, as I edited it, the, the twists changed a little bit and I had to ramp some up because I had to pare others down and that sort of thing. Yeah, it is. I think it's I mean, as, as someone who's been doing this for a long time, the, the you know, there are a few things that never get old. And one of it, one of them is that like, oh, oh, this this is the thing. And I've left this room for it. And I just need to connect these four dots. And aren't I a genius? And I didn't yeah. even know it. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the, the things that I loved about um, the ghost story um point of view, the go, uh, um, May's point of view was how, you know, because the rest, the rest of the book, all the details, all of the memories are all in, in June's point of view. And, you know, June would have this thought or something would be revealed about her. And I am going to reveal this because it's, it's not a huge spoiler. It's not a huge spoiler, but June had had an affair in her marriage. Right. right? And it comes out and it, it comes out again with some of this grief attached to it. Uh-huh. And um, I thought, oh man, that's you know that's interesting. That totally changes your perspective on her. And and it and then her sister's point of view comes in, and she's like, you just get this love about her. This like it softens this whatever judgment I was going to have about her as a as a character. She comes in and sort of explains it and and softens it in a way. And I thought. Um, those details, that back and forth of those details was really well done. It was like, oh, here's a harsh reality. And then here comes this very loving sister to be like, yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah, well, she was always like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, people, good people make, you know, bad mistakes. And, 
and I, I think June is an example of that. And, and I also wanted to sort of touch on the fact that what happens in your childhood and the relationship models that you see and, and uh, the parenting that you have, it really can affect you throughout your life unless you, until you sort of stop and recognize, oh, wait a minute, I think I might be doing this because of this. And mm-hmm. these are the patterns that I was shown. And so, um, and so a lot of the book was about that and coming to understand that, um, you know, sometimes you just have to break free of what you, what you have learned from, from growing up and, and, you know, and all parents make some mistakes too. I mean, it happens, uh, some parents more than others, but, um, in June's case, she was, she was definitely influenced by her mother, not even realizing how much. Yeah, for sure. That was really, that was, that was very obvious. And the the complicated mother daughter relationship that they all shared. And, and I went back and forth for a while going, Oh, was she a, such a difficult mother because of the secret on this Island? But then you realize that, yes, that was part of it like it was just it was just a really well carefully unfolding of who this this woman was thank you which isn't easy to do so thank you that was that was one that I couldn't make a question (laughs) but another (laughs) part (laughs) the other part that I like about it too is that for for a while in the middle of the book we really start to kind of doubt June we're like you know she's drinking a lot and you know she's she's doing some super questionable things and um, you know, is she seeing what she's seeing? Is she really seeing what she's seeing or is it all? And I was, you know, something, a delusion, a, you know, product of grief, a product of a hangover. And I was wondering how difficult that was because it was so subtly done. Uh, I didn't, I didn't find it difficult. I, because I really felt like it was, believable behavior. I mean, I've, I've had some reviews where people say, you know, oh, she drank too much. And, you know, I can understand why some people would think that, but I felt like it made sense for the kind of person she was and for what she was going through. And uh, it was just her way of numbing everything and, you know, escaping it. And so I, and I enjoy wine myself. I, well, I, I will say the beginning of the book when she's alone on this island with four bottles of wine and cheese and crackers and she has a phone call with her kids and then hangs up and was like, yeah, that does yeah. sound good. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I mean, no one's there to stop her. No one's there to say you had enough to drink, you know? Um, so uh, I, I, I mean, it, it felt natural to me for her character to just to have her to be a little bit unreliable like that. And I think it, you know, it made sense as well to have her wake up sometimes and think, did I, was that because I had too much to drink or did that really happen? And again, that, that lends itself to thrillers, you know, and you have the reader thinking that too. And then, um, yeah, so uh, it just, it just felt good and made sense to me Mm -hmm. when I was writing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us what's next for you? Have you got something else in the hopper? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I, I do. It's going I, great. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm struggling a bit because I'm actually revising that, uh, original thriller manuscript that didn't get picked up, but I feel like I've learned a lot with this, this one. And, um, I thought, okay, I, I, I think I know some changes that could make it stronger. So I've gone back and I've started that. Then I have this other idea that's just sort of taken over and, 
so I've been going back and forth between the two. And I don't know if that's the best approach because, uh, you know, I'm writing one and then when I get a bit blocked, I think, oh, all right. And I just change screens and I go to the other one and, and I wonder if I'll actually ever finish either. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah, that is a hard thing. And, and the exciting ideas are exciting. You know, yes. I, excitement, you know, there are there are only so many parts of the process that are, are, that are really, really, truly exciting. The rest of it is kind of a grind. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. So, and I get, yeah. So taken with those, those initial ideas and how, you know, how it plays in your head, like a movie and yeah, you just, you keep it playing, you know, at two in the morning at dinner time with your family, uh, you know, and it's just playing in your head and you just want to get it down so quickly. But then once you do, you're like, Oh, now I have to edit it. Now I have to, make it make sense and you know so um, that's true yeah my favorite my favorite part is when the story is is coming together in such a way that like all those little things are snapping like Mm -hmm. you're like oh and then that guy does this and this happens and this happens and this all works and like every time I go to bed I'm thinking about my story with such like delight right but then but then it then it's you know then you're like oh I gotta write three pages yeah no no it's true in your and then head, what it's so great. And then sitting down at the computer, I can be like, oh, you know, but you're up in the middle of the night and, and just, it's just playing through your head so easily. But then you, you know, you go to write it and it doesn't come out as easily. So yeah, it's a tricky process. Have you found working under quarantine or in quarantine, have you found it possible or impossible? Uh, it's, I mean, I've always written in between, like I have always been able to be at home because, uh, I, my husband and I have income properties that I manage, you know, do the tenant things and finances and whatnot. And so I could write in between those things and in between the kids being at school and me picking them up and sports things and whatnot. And so with, with COVID, I, I do the same thing, except there's a, there are a few more interruptions with kids at home and, you know, having to go downstairs and have to wake my 15 year up in the middle of his class online, you know, <laughs> make sure he's still lucid. I've got one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a full-time job. Um, and so, yeah, there are just other interruptions, but I'm okay with uh, sitting down and writing for half an hour or an hour and then coming back to it in 45 minutes. And I, I've kind of trained myself to do that. That's good. Good um, yeah, for you. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's not the easiest thing, but it's it's still doable for me. Yeah. And I'll do it on the weekends. I'll do it in the evenings because I love it. So, you know, a Saturday of writing, of just uninterrupted writing is a wonderful thing to me. I'd rather do that than pretty much anything. So Right. Bliss. Bliss. Well, I can't wait to see what comes next from you. Um, I really enjoyed this book. Everybody watching, everybody listening. uh, It's called What You Never Knew. Go pick it up. It is a ghost grief family mystery thriller (laughs) story. (laughs) And it's very good. Very good. Thank you, Jessica, for hanging out with us tonight. Um, Everybody at home, get vaccinated. Uh, Have a drink. Wash your hands. Read a book. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thank you.